This Moment Outdoors is brought to you by L.L. Bean, official partner of the National Park Foundation for the Find Your Park movement. Today, we bust some myths about truck sizes and campsite lengths. We talk about unrealistic travel memes and what you should never put in your RV's black tank. Plus, former Tobacco Haven, Durham, North Carolina, after years of revitalization projects, is a modern metropolis full of food and fun. This is RV Miles. Welcome to episode 103 of RV Miles. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And we are two full-time travelers who, along with our boys, Jack, Ethan, and Henry, crisscross North America on one epic road trip. Each week, we talk all things RV and outdoors, from travel destinations to gear, industry news, our national parks, and a whole lot more. This week, we're coming to you again from Kansas City. This will be our last week in Kansas City before we hit the road the heat index here is expected to reach 115 degrees today as we record this on Friday. And I guess like 165 million Americans are experiencing severe record heat right now. It's melt your face hot. It's melt your crayons hot. Yeah. Can we just talk about that for a second? Okay. I know you want to keep putting that on like the six year old. I'm just saying his dad was so Jason and Henry built this epic box fort because my parents purchased this couch from Ikea. And hey, pro tip, if you purchase a couch from Ikea, it's going to come in a box. <laughs> we, just so you're aware. Look, we bought tons of stuff from Ikea before. So we took Abby's parents to Ikea. We, we are Ikea pros, right? We are apartment was full of Ikea stuff. The bus was full of Ikea stuff. We know that most of their furniture has to be put together. We never thought in a million years, a sofa, a, an L shaped sectional sofa. 95 by 95 is the length of this <laughs> so sofa. The, the delivery drivers pull up to the door and we're here at Abby's parents and, and to the driveway and they open up the back and I just see it full of boxes and I started cracking up and I did not stop laughing for hours. He was laughing so hard. So he, so Jason, who is the Ikea Ninja master, put this whole sofa together took for me about four hours, took about four hours, which we expected. He actually has a little video he's made of and he did a little time-lapse on it. And so anyway, we have these giant, huge boxes. They're huge. So Henry, our youngest, he loves a box fort. He will take a box and he will just, he will build these epic forts. So of course we had these massive boxes. We'd go out back. Jason goes out back with them and he builds this huge fort. And they have this bag of crayons. And I don't know where you, I, maybe you guys were coloring yeah, on the fort, right? Yeah, it was right? to color on the inside of the fort, right? <laughs> so they get done. And like in very typical fashion, they get done, but they just kind of like leave everything out there, right? And apparently someone had dumped all the crayons out onto the grass. And I go out there because I see some things are kind of blown around. I want to get them picked up. And I go out there and it's just this colorful melted mess of crayons on my parents backyard grass 
And I was sitting there trying to figure out which ones are salvageable. And crayons are very interesting in their feel when they're partly melted, but still put together enough that you can like pick them up. And of course I'm out there like, oh, I get it. My contribution to this sport is I get to come out here and clean up after all of you. (laughs) So I came back in and I was like, here's some bag of melted crayons, everybody. (laughs) But it was an epic fort and you know, it's hot. It's hot. Don't put your crayons outside. I just read uh, today in Madison, Wisconsin, they've declared a state of emergency. Power transformers are exploding across the city, causing fires. And then people are without air conditioning when the power goes out. Oh, my goodness. It's a terrible time to be without power. Best of luck to them and to anybody dealing with this ridiculous heat. We're lucky to not be in the RV right now, although it's it's actually pretty cool inside it's the actually RV right now. Very cool in there. I only have it set to ninety or something. I've just got it up pretty high, but enough. And every time I go in there, I mean it is so hot outside. It feels yeah. like 115. So when you open up and you go into 90 degrees, you think you need a coat. It's so cold. <laughs> so it is actually doing a pretty good job out there, but we're just keeping it up pretty high. So it's keeping stuff in there safe, but I'm not watching my mom and dad's dollar bills go flying out the door because I've got my RV AC running. We are uh, getting ready to hit the road. We hit the road next Wednesday, heading up to Sioux Falls, South Dakota first. Uh, I think we underestimated the amount of work that would go into moving into this trailer. I don't think I can talk about this right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and we're, Uh, we're doing things to to get it ready for us to, to make it, you know, we're altering things. We're fixing things. We are fixing things, more things than I would like to admit that we're fixing. I don't know if I can talk about this and keep this show family friendly at this point, because I'm so frustrated with the fact that all I want to do is buy a storage container and I can't find a storage container in this city that isn't the right size. Or if I do find the right size, I can't find the lid that goes with it. And all I can say is... And that's all I want to say on that. <laughs> I had to censor Abby there <laughs> a little bit. That's uh, that's not fit for. It's not suitable uh, for podcasts. Uh, the airwaves NSFP. here. No. So uh, anyway, <laughs> once once we get on the road, let's talk about it. Right now, we're in the thick of it, and I just don't think it's ever a good idea to talk about anything when you're in the thick of it. Oh, okay, but that's what we were talking about this segment. So I don't know what you want to talk about. It's just time to go to a commercial, Jason. Is that well, what we say in the no, podcast world? Let's go to a commercial I do, break. I want to say that I want to talk about a couple of the things that we're doing to get ready, though. Okay, so you go have, ahead. Our RV came with a flip down luggage rack on the back of it. And we have converted that into a bike rack. So we got these hoopy things. That that a bike rack has that your wheels go into and uh, I've bolted them to it and we're able to put the kids bikes back there now. Unfortunately, that's caused a problem because now we can't flip that rack back up if we don't want to use it. It's not really a problem. It's just that it has increased our length, yeah. which is kind of messed with some of your plans. I don't know until we actually get out there and start navigating with this new like two extra feet we have or something if it's really going to be an issue yeah we've done that we are installing little hooks knife racks things like that we are installing gas rods underneath anything that lifts up like the like the bed where it lifts up like 
the uh, the Henry's bunk bed where it lifts up. We might actually kind of drill out those finger <laughs> holes a little bit more they, so someone can actually put their finger into it without slicing their so finger the, out. So, you know, we there's plywood that lifts up like a lot of RVs have where underneath the dinette, underneath the kids' bunks, underneath our bed, and where it lifts up, they've made finger holes. They've made one finger one. hole in each one. one of these. One of them is like not even near the front of it. It's like back towards the middle. I don't know. It's like they took a gun and shot these finger holes in there. Because I, think, <laughs> I think they thought only babies were going to be using so it. so poorly drilled out. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to fix those. I'm going to put hinges on these because they're not, none of them are hinged. They're just pieces of plywood sitting there. We put hinges and gas rods on all of them before we go. Uh, we're installing our new Togo road link on the roof. We're going to do a video about that. And uh, that is surprisingly light. It, Were oh, you man, surprised by it that? Weighs, it weighs like, you know, I'm going to guess here. It weighs less than two pounds. Yeah. I was really surprised by that. Yeah. I think that that's something they should push a little bit more, make a little bit more mm -hmm. known because I was expecting something much heavier. And so when you took it out of the box, it was almost like it went flying out of your hands, I think, because you were just expecting yeah. to be lifting out of an actual heavy piece of equipment. We also had to put a new cover on the vent for the fan hood over the stove. You know, there's, there's the hood that's over the stove that, that vents out to the outside. And there's a vent cover on the outside that you pop open and pop close. And ours flew off somewhere within our first two drives. <laughs> it, uh, it wasn't even open. I, I figured out why it flew off because it didn't snap together at all. So we had to get a whole new one from Heartland. They sent it to us and we had to put it on. I had to unscrew it and put a new gasket on and screw it back on. And we're going to have to run a bead of sealing around it as well. So that was kind of a pain. Oh, you still have to do that? Oh, yeah. Great. Okay. And we're leaving when? Wednesday. Okay, fantastic. I'm just checking. Uh, our microwave was not quite installed well. So I pulled that out and I reinforced that with an L bracket. And I uh, added a few new screws because the shelf that was holding our microwave up was already coming apart. Wowza. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I want to make it clear. We're not sharing these things because we're complaining. We absolutely. Well, okay. Yeah. We're complaining. We absolutely expected that we were going to be doing stuff like this. We share it in hopes that people will continue to advocate for better manufacturing standards from these RV companies. They need to be held accountable for the kind of work they're putting out there and the kind of money that they're asking for this work. And I think that that's why it's important that we proactively talk about these things. I'm just glad that this is stuff that, you know, I have the skills to right. take care of. I mean, we're very fortunate so far. There are some people that wouldn't want to do a lot of this stuff and, and would have to take their RV back to the dealership and have them order parts and wait for it and all that. And I, you know, that's not something that uh, would be very appealing to me. No. And we don't, honestly have the time for that either. So mm. I'm very thankful that you have those skill sets and I bet that anyone too, these are a lot of skill sets that, you know, you can go out and you can educate yourself on because you didn't go into all of this when we built the bus. You didn't go into no. knowing 50% of what you know. Anyone now about can this. learn to do this. Stuff. Absolutely. You and really so, can. So if you find yourself with an, a little issue 
take a minute if you can and see if you can do it yourself before you haul it back to the, to the dealer, because we all know how much of a headache that is. Even though it might make you mad that like, I, well, I paid for this. Why yep. do I have to do this fix it? I want to take it back and, you know, and get it perfect. But then you're out time. Yeah. You know? So yep. anyway, uh, uh, this I'm is probably sure not the last we'll time we'll be talking about more this issues to come, <laughs> but um, we are, we are getting very excited to get back out on the road and go visit North Dakota for a month. We've got our itinerary all lined up and then we're starting to work our itinerary after North Dakota up. I think we're going to Colorado after that. I think we are. Well, let's take a break and then oh, we, we can take a break now. We can take a break okay. now. I, I, I think that was sufficiently long enough. Okay, good. And when we come back, we're going to have the answer to last week's brain teaser. And I'm going to drink some coffee while we're on a break. <laughs> right. Fantastic. As you know, Togo has been our go-to for all things RV. When you create a Togo ID, you unlock the entire ecosystem of RV products and resources that Togo has to offer. Some of our newer RV friends find the library of how-to content and video tutorials the most helpful, while others love the trip planning and organizational aspects. One thing that everyone can love is the Togo Roadlink. Roadlink C2, a powerful Wi-Fi booster combined with a 4G LTE antenna. The small all-in-one dome easily installs on your roof and can be controlled by an app instead of a clunky portal. To make things even better, Roadlink has joined forces with AT&T to offer an unlimited 4G LTE data plan specifically for RVers. Whether you're a full-time traveler or weekend warrior, Togo is designed to make your life easier. Simplify your travel experience and visit runswithtogo.com. That's runswithtogo spelled T-O-G-O. An RV that runs with Togo enjoys more miles with less trials. All right, it's time for the answer to last week's brain teaser, which was one of our favorites. It went like this. Sweaty Beard the Pirate was counting his latest haul of treasure, which consisted of rings, necklaces, and earrings. There are 26 items altogether. He has two and a half times as many rings as necklaces, and the number of pairs of earrings is four less than the number of rings. How many earrings does Sweaty Beard have? And the answer is 12 earrings, which is six pairs. A lot of people said six, mm. but it's 12 because there's six pairs. That's, the little, that's the little twist that gets, gets you, get you caught up. That did get me caught up. I was just caught up in the story of sweaty beard. <laughs> Our winner this week is Lauren Wilson from Wisconsin, who will receive a not all who wander our lost t-shirt. And you might have a chance to win yours later on in the show. All right. In this segment, we're, we're starting a new recurring segment here on the show because we really enjoyed when we did an episode a few months ago called RV myth busting. Uh, you mean almost a year ago. Okay. Almost a year ago. That's a few months. <laughs> Just a few months. And we got a lot of great feedback on that and we've been wanting to do it again. We were going to do another RV myth busting episode, but we thought, why don't we just make it a recurring segment and then we can bust a myth if we're not busting a move. Oh my goodness. You've been planning that, haven't you? I could just see it in your eyes. Oh, no. 
This new soundboard <laughs> is just opening up a whole new world for us. <laughs> I can't. We, it it's amazing. We really did, though, need to let the dust settle from that episode because everyone's minds were really blown by the pink flamingos. <laughs> the pink flamingos. Yeah, it really rocked the uh, RV world. Well, I can tell you what that was. If no, you, you, you got to go, go back. back and listen. Uh, but we got a couple myths that we want to bust this week. And the first one is, is one that, has been bothering me for a while. This comes from the tow police, the tow police on Facebook. If you, and God bless you, if you aren't on Facebook and especially if you aren't on Facebook and don't get involved in any of the RV Facebook groups, except ours, which is awesome. Yeah. Ours is amazing. And Jason would like you to counsel him on how to not be in. <laughs> You'll often see a lot of people say flat out things like, you cannot tow a fifth wheel with a half ton truck or you cannot tow a travel trailer with a half ton truck or you must have a three quarter ton truck to tow this RV. And the myth I want to bust here is that there is some imaginary line between half ton, which is like your F-150, your Chevy 1500 truck and the 2500s or the 250s. Somebody might have a Ford F-250 that actually can tow less than a Ford F-150 because they're not all built the same. They have different engines, different weights, different transmissions, different axle ratings, different axle ratios, different payload capacity. It all depends on the individual specs of the truck they bought. So yeah, you some of them have that word Hemi on the side <laughs> and that, that means things. Stop it. So you could have a, you can have a Ford F-150 that can tow up to 13,000 pounds. You could have a Ford F-250 that can only tow 11,000 pounds. And, uh, and then of course they're going to have different payload ratings. Plus RVs all weigh different things. So there are fifth wheels out there. You'll see people say you have to have one of these big trucks to tow a fifth wheel, but there are fifth wheels out there. A fifth wheel is just a style of a hitch, right? Scamp makes a fifth wheel. I was just about to say that Get out of my head. Fiberglass fifth wheel that weighs 2,500 pounds. It's really cute. Winnebago makes a fifth wheel that is under 5,000 pounds. I mean, you could tow that with like a Toyota Tacoma, I think. For all we know, Airstream has a fifth wheel in the works somewhere <laughs> and it's going to weigh like a thousand pounds. So it's not all cut and dry. There's no shortcut that you can do to get the math done to make sure that you have the right truck to match with your, your trailer. And you can't look at someone's rig and say, mm, they're only towing that with an F-150 unless it's a giant fifth wheel. It's hard to say. You know, and, you know, they could be towing it with a bigger truck that isn't adequately set up to tow it. So that's my pet peeve this week. And it's a myth that I think need to be busted. Yeah, just do the homework. Do the math. We'll put an article in the show notes. I, there's an article I like to share with people when when this comes up that really explains this very well. So I have a myth and we have talked about it numerous times, but I'm going to say it today for those in the back. I think this one might have actually been on our Mythbusters episode. It before. was, and but it's coming back. It needs to return. It has returned because over in America's National Parks, we have the America's National Parks Facebook group. And that group has just over in the last few months, it's just kind of exploded. You know, I think we're close to like 20,000 people in the group now. And I, I just... 
I think if Jason sees me over here beating my head against the computer, he knows exactly what has happened. And once again, someone in that group has said to somebody else looking for advice on camping in national parks, oh, you can't camp there unless you're 25 feet or shorter or 30 feet. The number is never the same. 25, 28, 30, 32, 31, 29.275. Like it never, there's never any consistency. There's never anything that backs it up. It's just someone throwing out a number because they heard someone else say it, who heard someone else say it, who heard someone else. I really want to find the person that started this. Well, there is an article that has been making the rounds over and over that, that these people took a lot of time to take all the different campsites at all the different campgrounds in the national park service and average their lengths and everything and come up with a number. The problem is their data is wrong. I mean, they say you have to be 19 foot or under to camp at Zion national park. Zion can accommodate 40 foot RVs. Yeah. Well, our 37 foot bus was there. So I just, I'm just going to throw this out here again for anyone who's new to this world of RVing, anyone who's, who wants to go to the national parks, but feels like they can't, I will bust this myth until I am blue in the face. You can camp at several national park campgrounds. I promise you, we have camped in the bus at Zion. We have camped at the Buffalo national river. We have camped at Glen Canyon. We have camped at Fort Pickens and I could go on and on. You can camp. Now, not all campgrounds are going to be equal. Yeah. It, th- there are plenty of benefits to being shorter. There are going to be more campsites available to you. But again, it's not about a magic number. There is no magic number. And the thing that people really need to realize, though, because a lot of people are buying these RVs and thinking, I'm buying this RV to go camp in national parks. The thing you need to realize is that not, I wouldn't even say half of national parks actually have campgrounds. Yeah. And if they do have campgrounds, a lot of them are tent only. A lot of them are no hookups, uh, which is fine. I mean, of course, we definitely take RVs into. Yeah. Like Guadalupe is just a parking lot for the RVs. And then there's really tiny tent spots too. So I know that we, it's quite possible we are preaching to the choir here on this podcast, but I just, it's the more, you know, right here, you know, that whole thing. I can't copyright, but whatever, please, if you tell a friend, so they can tell a friend who can tell a friend who can tell a friend yeah. that there is no one magical number for camping in our national parks. Every park is created differently. You need to go to that park and check and see what their camping options are and then look at their camping restrictions. Yeah. But you can do it. We have done it. If we can do it, you can do it. I promise you. We also, we did a video on, on this. We did a video. We took a video in Custer State Park, actually. Uh, and we were talking about how we fit our RVs into sites that are listed as shorter than they are. And that's because usually you can hang over the back. You have to do a little research to make sure you can. And often they also measure the sites on the short side and, you know, the sites are angled. So they have a long side and a short side. So there's a lot that goes into this. And I'll put a link to that video in the show notes as well. And you can sort of see how we're able to do that. We parked our bus. Our 37 foot bus has been in 28 foot sites. Yeah. At Fort Pickens. Mm -hmm. Speaking of National Park Service campgrounds, we were able to make that work because there was so much space behind the campsite. We could just hang over. Some places it's a, a restriction because of like the turns in the park and they'll be specific about that. That's Mm -hmm. a different thing. That's different than 
seeing the campsite links as they're listed. So check that video out in, in the show notes at rvmiles.com slash 103. RVs break down, trust us on this one. And with repair costs averaging $300 an hour, between parts and labor, there's no time like the present to protect your life on the road with Wholesale Warranties. Wholesale Warranties is the leading provider of warranty protection in the RV community. With a focus on reliable coverage and customer service, Wholesale Warranties keeps you on the road where you belong. Don't let repair bills sideline your summer RV trip. Your RV will break, but with Wholesale Warranties, your budget doesn't have to. Get a free quote today so you can travel with peace of mind tomorrow. Visit WholesaleWarranties.com or call 800-939-2806 for your free quote. Okay, it's time to talk about the last leg of our wonderful experience in the Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill area. And that, of course, was Durham, North Carolina. And Durham, it's a it's a really cool town. The thing about Durham is it's a city that has gone under a huge revitalization. Yeah, they really had to reinvent themselves over the course of like a century. I mean, they've mm-hmm. they've gone from being a huge tobacco haven to all of that business going away and having to reinvent themselves. And now they're sort of this really kind of cool tech hub. There are lots of innovative businesses that are working from there. There are a lot of co-work spaces and, you know, young hip people out of college. They're there. like <laughs> Silicon Valley of the East Coast <laughs> almost are. a little bit. So it's a really interesting town to visit. And I think it was sort of the perfect end stop to the three cities that we were checking out while we were in North Carolina. And we stayed while we were there because as we've mentioned, we were doing a a car trip. We were being a car trip and family and we stayed at another aloft. And if you listen to Chapel Hill, you know, we talked about aloft there. So we stayed at another aloft in Durham. And once again, just absolutely love the vibe of this hotel. Now, this particular hotel room that we stayed in was so big. It It was was, shocking. It was huge. There was a corner room and they had uh, a, a TV stand in the middle and the TV swiveled so it could face the beds, which were on one side or the couch, which is on the other side. It was really neat. But we opened the door and you just have this massively <laughs> long hallway. You don't even see the room. You have to go all the way down the hall. It was and like we a just 20 kept foot, going. <laughs> 25 foot hallway to get to our room after opening the door. I kept thinking maybe this was the hallway that you take to get to the other block of rooms. <laughs> but what was really cool about this particular, it's, it, this aloft is located right downtown. It's right next to the Durham Bulls but it's also right next to their performing arts center. Yeah. So it was almost like they knew how big into theater we were because our view from our room looked out into downtown, but on the right side was the giant marquee of all the touring shows that were coming to that performing arts center in that season. So 
it was sort of like this really cool mashup of like our two worlds coming together, like theater and travel, like smashing there in that aloft room. I loved that room and I really liked its proximity to places to go eat, sports events and art. Yeah. So it was, it, and we had a fantastic view of the whole downtown area from it too, but it was, it's in this area called the American Tobacco campus and the American tobacco company used to be a big tobacco company there and it's gone and left all these warehouse buildings and, and such. And they have turned all of these buildings into this really neat destination where they've got fountains and waterways just, just ran right through the middle of all this industrial stuff. A lot of artistic shops, a lot of boutiques and the headquarters of Burt's Bees is there. That was really neat. Burt's Bees, of course, is the company that makes like My chapstick lipstick. and lipstick and other sort of all the things I buy and cosmetics <laughs> and stuff like that. And they're sustainable and, and all that. And they have Burt's Cabin in the middle of it. And uh, you can actually see Burt's you can look in and, Cabin yeah. uh, that was shipped there and, and placed there and, yeah. uh, and visit. And they actually have a bee colony too, which I thought was really cool. So you can see like the bee colony through glass on the outside of their building. Yeah. So that whole area is just one of those spots that you can go and just take a, a day walk through yeah. and have plenty to see and plenty to do and really get a great feel for the city itself. And so that day, so we arrived and then that night we were fortunate enough to be there while the Durham Bulls were playing. So and their stadium is right in this American tobacco yes. district and right by right next to our hotel. Yeah. So as I could look out one window and see the performing arts center of the hotel room on the other wall, I could look out the other windows and I could see the stadium. So we went to a game Friday night and got smacked with a thunderstorm. I mean, there just was like a, an hour and a half rain delay. It was. And fortunately we had seats that were under the second row or I don't know what the term under is. The balcony. Yeah. Thank you. We were underneath. Unfortunately, we were able to wait the rain out. We had so much fun at this game. I highly encourage anyone. If you find yourself in a city that's got a triple a or a double a baseball team, go to the game. It is so much fun. And we find, and while we love our major league baseball, we do find that it can be rather expensive for our family to go to a major league game. Prices have gotten really high. And, you know, if you're not a fan of the team in the first place, and we're Cubs fans, right? Right. So if we're not going to see the Cubs, it really doesn't matter to me that I'm seeing like the Texas Rangers or a, or a, you know, the Durham Bulls. Like that's, yeah. there's no difference there to me. And a minor league team is a lot of fun to watch. They were a lot of fun. And our kids had best time at this game. They stuck this game out. I think that game ended because they had to play it. They had to play the game. I think the game ended at midnight and I actually left. <laughs> I got really tired around 1030 or so, 1030, 11 o'clock. And the kids did not want to leave. And Jason was like, it's fine. I got them. You go ahead and go back to the hotel. And I was like, okay, great. So I went back to the hotel and watched Hunger Games, you know, because that's what you do, right? So I went back. He stayed with the kids. They 
They stuck that game out to the end. They were rooting for the Bulls. Unfortunately, they didn't win the game. No, but the kids got to see, they finally got to see in the last inning, they got to see a meaningless home run, but it was a home run nonetheless, which was was cool for them. And they met the mascot. And our kids are not sports kids. Oh no, we had to sit there and explain to them the game. And they were still like, wait, what? I don't like, they didn't, I looked at Jason at the beginning of the game and I said, I feel like we have done our children a disservice that none of them know the game of baseball. I thought we were going to be dealing with a lot of boredom, a lot of yawning, too. a lot of, I want to go. And they, they had a great time. They, every time, you know, they play the music in between <laughs> innings and they run the camera around <laughs> and put people up on the, the, the jumbotron. The kids were up there dancing. Oh, they like crazy. tried so hard to get on that jumbotron. They tried so hard. So through this experience, we kind of realized that, you know what? Hey, when we find ourselves in cities that have minor league teams, we should go. The kids really enjoy this and it's affordable. We yeah. can do it. But our favorite thing, I think, at least my favorite thing that we did in, in Durham is another another museum you know we love to go to our museums uh but this one super special this is the museum of life and science durham north carolina's museum of life and science if you are on the east coast and you have kids you're in the carolinas this is a reason just to go to this area this place is so cool they're outside alone is worth the entire visit. Yeah, it's almost not inside at all. There we there are some inside exhibits, but we actually didn't even have time for any of those. Uh, they're outside. I, how do I explain this? It's almost like a zoo for kids. Like if yeah. you look at you know a zoo and they've got a big thing for monkeys to play on and they've got monkeys swinging and they've got them running across you know rope bridges and stuff like that. There's no animals. The kids are on that. So what you're saying is it's like if animals were the dominant species. (laughs) Yes. And they were watching us at the zoo. They were watching humans at the zoo. This is essentially what this museum is like. I feel like maybe that's short changes. (laughs) I feel like maybe that's not given the best view. Let's just give some examples. So one of the first things you come up on is an outdoor music zone. So they've got all sorts of outdoor music instruments, drums, xylophones, stuff like that for the kids to just bang on forever. Then you come up upon a, uh, a like a village of tree houses. It's this insane real tree houses. I mean, these are wrapped around trees and mounted to the trees and have rope bridges swinging between them. Amazing structure. It's almost like being in Neverland a little yeah. bit, you know, and mm-hmm. going to Peter's hideout. Bang ring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was really, truly special. That area was enough for, to be the museum for the whole day. Yeah. We spent hours back there. We had a Jurassic park moment. Yeah, There is a, there's a walk through dinosaur area where you can see recreated dinosaurs. There's a farm area. There is a butterfly garden. There is so much to do at this place that if I lived there, we would be going once a week. I know we went there too. And I completely agree with you about that. Like we went there too, expecting to have a very fine time because we always really enjoy going to museums. What is such a surprise to us and such a joy 
is when we go expecting to have a beautiful time together as a family, but our expectations are far exceeded. And the museum just has something so unique about it that sort of sets it apart from all the other museums that we've been to. And that outdoor space for this museum is just, it's off the charts. And we always say too, that if a museum can get the grownups and the kids involved, that's a good yeah. museum. Yeah, and I mean, we were climbing in we those were. trees with them. It was great. Mm -hmm. we, uh, we didn't have a whole lot of time to eat in Durham. Shocking. It's, <laughs> I, mean, I still we regret. We had a baseball game. We, we had did. a little bits here and there. We had a little fast food. We were in the hotel room. Uh, but we did have one real nice dinner at a place called Bull City Burger and Brewery. Shocking, we went to a burger place. We do love our burgers. You know what? If we don't go get pizza, we go get burgers. Yeah. That's just the way it goes. And this place had, they had a solid lock on burgers. They also had their own brewery. So of course I had to enjoy a beer and they have a specialty that's distinctly their own, or at least named. I don't know if it's distinctly their own. Maybe it's distinct to the area, but we had Bull City Nuts. They're just called Bull Nuts. Oh, they're just called Bull Nuts. Yeah. Bull so nuts. take out that city. Yeah. We had Bull Nuts. <laughs> and what they are is like roasted peanuts with bacon candied bacon and then they're like they're just gooey drizzled with some sort of sugary caramelized sugar salty sweet yeah. you know anytime you put salty sweet something in front of me yeah. i'm all in and those were good and it's a really popular popular place so expect especially if you go on the weekends that either get there before the main dinner hour or just be cool with like hanging out in line and, you know, it's sort of um, real community oriented in the way that you sit at just big, long communal picnic tables. So you might get to meet someone from the community and, you know, they're sitting next to you while you have a little meal. And there's a lot of outdoor seating as well. Yeah. And they also have a play area, which is really cute. Just a small little corner that the kids and it's for younger kids like Henry's age that they can go over and play. And it has a has a sign above it that says like future beer drinkers, which was really funny. And it's just a little kitchen and stuff, but it's nice because again, you know, it kind of helps you prolong your time there a little bit when the kids have something that they can go and do, but you can still see them and, and, you know, be able to keep an eye on them. This is also right downtown in their sort of main strip. And we really enjoyed just walking around that area too. We did. We walked from the hotel to the restaurant mm -hmm. and then we walked from the restaurant over to the stadium. And there's all sorts of like ice cream shops and stuff. And you can look at some of the architecture. They've, they've revitalized some of these old like fifties motor lodge style hotels into sort of chic boutique new hotels. And you can sort of gander at those as you walk around downtown. And Durham has a lot going for it. And you know, the Saturday morning before we headed over to the museum, of course, you know, we had to explore if there were donuts and I went over, I actually drove over by myself and got these amazing donuts and they are worth the wait because you are going to wait in line, especially on the weekend from this place called Monuts Donuts. I promise you guys, we don't just eat burgers, pizza and donuts, <laughs> but they are the Let's. best things that we eat. So that's what we like to talk about. They were so they good. were so good. And it's just, it's Monats and, and you, I, I'm not sorry to interrupt you, no, but please. I, I had to say, I'm often not a fan of gourmet donuts actually. 
sometimes they're just too over the top. And I just want like a little, like a Dunkin' Donut. Yeah. Like you have to really be in the mood for a Hertz donut, right? Right. Like, and sometimes it's too much sugar, too much frosting, too much, too much. This place was not like that at all. It was, it was like too much, but not uh, too much flavor, too much of one sort of flavor. It was right. all very balanced. Yeah. It's a fantastic place. And if donuts are not your thing, they have a full menu of breakfast and lunch items. They have a beautiful coffee bar. And I actually ordered a couple of breakfast sandwiches for Jason and I, I did a build your own for Jason. Cause Jason really only believes in meat and carbs. <laughs> so I didn't want them to put anything green or red or uh, healthy on his sandwich, but I did the sun dried tomato bacon and Fontina. And that was, oh, was so good. And they're all really well-priced too. I was very impressed with the cost, the quality. And if we find ourselves back in Durham anytime soon, that's my first stop. So we really enjoyed our experience in Durham. We really enjoyed our experience in this whole area. Durham, Raleigh, Chapel Hill. It's all really one place for you to go spend some time at. And we really think it's worth at least a good week's long vacation. Yeah, a weekend was not long enough in either of the three cities. So if you find yourself over in North Carolina, spend some time there because I think you'll really enjoy it. Yeah, and ship me a Monats Donuts, will you? Did you know there's a new Top Gun movie coming out? I did, and I'm ready to go highway to the danger zone. <laughs> this podcast has had more Top Gun content than really necessary, but <laughs> I couldn't help but notice in the new Top Gun trailer that Tom Cruise reaches for the aviators mm -hmm. and then gets on the bike and starts, you know, chasing the airplane down the runway. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't help but notice that he wasn't nearly as cool as he could be because he wasn't wearing Shady Ray's aviators. Know what I'm saying? <laughs> Abby loves her aviators from Shady Ray's and she does look like Tom Cruise walking around downtown. I'm not sure that's a compliment, aviators. Jason, but thank you. I do feel pretty cool in those aviators. And if you want to be cool, maybe not like Tom Cruise so much, but if you want to be cool like Maverick, if you want to feel cool like I feel cool when I'm wearing Shady Ray's aviators, then you need to head over to ShadyRays.com because they have an exceptional deal for RV Miles listeners. You get 50% off two pairs or more. You can buy two pairs, three pairs, four pairs. You can have so many pairs that you could lay them out on the danger zone. doesn't matter. And the best part about Shady Rays is that their sunglasses are guaranteed. You drop them, you break them. Doesn't matter what you do to them. Doesn't have to be the manufacturer's fault. You could be riding your motorcycle <laughs> while you're following an a jet. I don't know what, the, I don't know what he follows. What are those things called? Thing that flies in the sure, sky, yeah. a jet. You could be, <laughs> you could be wearing your aviators while you're following a big thing flying in the sky. And get in a motorcycle crash. Yeah. No, they just fly <laughs> off. Don't take it to that level. It doesn't need to go there. They just fly off and you go, no bigs. Shady Rays is going to replace them. But in order to get that 50% off, you have to use the code RV. It's pretty simple. Shadyrays.com. Put your sunglasses in the cart. Go to checkout, put RV in the promo code. You're going to get 50% off and then you're going to be just as cool as Maverick. All right. It's time for our favorite segment of the show. Fresh tank, black tank, where we talk about all the things that we love and we don't love happening in the world right now. Abby, 
What is your black tank this week? So I have a really serious black tank this week. I know (laughs) you're laughing. It's very serious because there is this saying, okay, you know, every once in a while sayings get picked up and they become the hot thing. Like that we all say to ourselves, you Mm -hmm. know, either it be travel or RV related. This one is a particular one that has been making the rounds on the Facebooks and on the Twitter and it keeps getting dropped in articles and it's all over Pinterest. And it is this idea, this saying that starts with, you only have 18 summers with your kids. Make the most of them. Doesn't that put things into perspective, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I I just want to say, please stop sharing that quote. Please stop talking about that quote. That quote implies that when my kids turn 18, that they want nothing more to do with me. But I'll tell you what right now, my 12 year old, my soon to be 12 year old, is not the same kid I had when he was three. It's not the same kid when I had when I was six or nine. He won't be the same at 15, 18, 21, 24, but he will always be my kid. And quotes like that, I feel like they just elicit and instill this sense of panic and anxiety in us as parents that we don't have enough time to do everything. So then we feel bad. I just think it's great that these people think that they're going to have their 16, 17, and eight year old, 18 year olds for the summer. <laughs> but no, I mean, this is, we've talked about this before. We have this, these expectations that get placed on us that we have to do everything. We have to get to everything. We can't, this has to happen before you get to a certain age. And then life just becomes about disappointments that you didn't get stuff done. Yeah. I think that's the heart of this particular saying for me is that it just, it's meant to elicit the fear of missing out, like the FOMO that we all have or the YOLO, you know, mm-hmm. what is it with these, what is it with these acronyms? <laughs> but at the end of the day, you have as many summers as you have with your kids and do as much as you can do in the space that you can do it in. And I just don't want to feel bad that I can't check off every single thing on the bucket list every single summer. It's the same as that book the 1000 places to see before you die. I will never see those places. That book stresses me out. Yeah. It's a great list of places that you might want to see, but when you put check marks next to everything and feel like you have to accomplish them, when you go in and you you still have 997 things to do and you're like, well, I don't think I have enough vacation days for that, but I'll try. Yeah. It's amazing when you buy a book like that and you have only gone to one place in it. Yeah. <laughs> There's a thousand. There's another book out there too. And we owned it. I mean, we, I owned it. I'm the one that bought it. You know, I, I feel these sayings. I feel them so much. And I'm constantly saying to you, I don't feel like I'm good enough for my kids. Like that I am doing enough. This is a very real thing I struggle with all the time. I'm not enough mother for them these sayings make me feel that way. And we had this book for the longest time. I had to get rid of it. It was called something like all the, the minute, you know, top 50 places to take your kids before they grow up. It was, it was 500. Or, oh my gosh. It was 500 yeah. places to take your kids. It was before. from the makers of the thousand places. Yeah. To yeah I like my, I like my lists yeah. and that book, I just constantly looked at it and I thought I can't, can't get to the, all these places. Well, we also bought these road trip books and we, and this is one thing that I've stressed many times on this podcast is that there are so many articles and books about 
road trips like the from beginning to end of Route 66, beginning to end of the Oregon Trail, you know, all, all of the different road trips across the country. And what I started to realize is that, hey, none of those road trips are circular. So none of them get you back to where you started. No, you got to <laughs> turn around and come back. And there is there there is just no reason that you have to complete them to see the sights on them. You can go to portions of them. In fact, portions of them are terrible. You know, sometimes there's there there are sections that are just nothing. Yeah, there are sections of Route 66 that aren't stellar. Sure. So you can you can just get on Route 66 for a little bit. You can get on the Great River Road for a little bit. You don't have to do it all. No, and I think that these particular books and everyone is different. And some people might find these books or these sayings as guideposts, as motivators, as, you know, I open this book up and it's just giving me ideas. I have learned about myself in the almost 40 years I have been on this planet that I don't find lists like that helpful. I actually find lists like that overwhelming, that they put expectations that I place upon myself that I can't ever achieve. I struggle just internally. With the fact that while we can say we've been on Route 66 and we've traveled it, I feel like I can't say I've done Route 66 because I didn't start it in California and end it in Chicago. And we've like done this, almost every inch of it. Yeah, but because there just might not be consecutively, there's five miles maybe that I haven't been on yet. So I feel like if I get a book that has a thousand places in it, I haven't accomplished that book. Yeah. until I have hit all 1000 places. I haven't accomplished taking my kids everywhere I should take them unless I go to all 500 spots. That's just me. I mean, there are probably therapists listening to this right now that want to call me. I get it. <laughs> but that is, you know, these sayings I've really, this is why I don't get on Pinterest anymore. What's your fresh tank this week? Chance the snapper. I feel like I got to give an update on chance. So <laughs> the crocodile that was alligator. Is it a crocodile? Well, it was a crocodile. I, you know what? I don't really know. Yeah, because 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 Croc Obama was the other name. But for he it. was also Ruth Gator Ginsburg. That was one of the names well, that was up for grabs. Then, uh, then who knows? Nobody knows. Nobody knows what. Nobody knows what our friend Chance the was. Croc-a-gator the crocodile that was <laughs> that was swimming around a Chicago lagoon. Yes, he has been safely caught. And removed from the lagoon. They actually brought a Florida man. They did. It was amazing. <laughs> this was so amazing. So we flew somebody in and they were able to apprehend chance. And, you know, because the concern at this point was that he was going to die. Yeah, he was it's not. Just, he was not healthy. Yeah. And so he was caught. But what I love the most about this is I think that, man, the city must have just really been in need of some unity because this has been such a big story in Chicago, but the whole, I, I mean, from now we're not in Chicago right now, but from what I was seeing across social media from friends and people who, you know, were sending me messages once, you know, chance was, was safely caught when that there was a, first off, there was a press conference. Okay. The city shut down for the press conference. Like everybody wanted to watch this press conference. It was like a Tuesday morning or something. And it was like the event of the week chance the snapper has been apprehended 
a lot of people were disappointed that he they wanted him to live there. But well, of course, he's not going to make it through the winter in Chicago. No, so. he's not supposed to live in the Humble Park <laughs> Lagoon. No, of course, I was team go get the rats chance. Like, I mean, I, I get it. But Chance needs to go somewhere where he can actually be in a proper environment that is safe for him. Yeah. So that's my fresh tank this week. That Chance the Snapper, Croc Obama, Ruth Gator Ginsburg, Frank, what was he? Frank Lloyd Bite. That was another one. He has been safely removed from the Humboldt Park Lagoon in Chicago. All right. All right, Jay, what is your black tank this week? We have been dealing with a few little insurance issues since we bought the, the new mm-hmm. RV and the new truck. And I'm a little, no, I'm not going to name our insurance company. You don't want to say it begins with a P and ends with regressive. <laughs> we, so we, uh, we switched to progressive because progressive is it's supposed to be progressive. Well, they're known for, uh, for being good for full timers. A lot of full-timers use them because they have a specific plan for full-timers. And that's important. If you go full-time, you want to make sure you have insurance that covers full-timers because you don't want to get denied a claim because when they find out that you've been living in this thing full-time. So it's important to have an insurance company that knows that. So we went with Progressive. And when I bought the truck, I put insurance on the truck through Progressive. And then when we bought the trailer, I wouldn't put insurance on the trailer through progressive. So we, we could bundled combine them and bundle. Right. So we get all our paperwork for the electronic paperwork for the truck. And we signed that and everything. And, uh, and we weren't getting any emails or anything about the trailer. And it turned out they'd put the trailer on a separate account, which was weird. Um, so we were calling to put the accounts back to put the accounts together. Like we just wanted to have everything married. So we, you know, so we could log in once, you know, and not have to log into different accounts to pay and whatever. In order to do that, they wanted to requote the insurance. Well, the problem was, is for whatever reason, they put the truck insurance under my name, which blows my mind because I had nothing to do with setting up the insurance. Yeah. And they put the trailer under your name as the primaries. I think it had to do with the fact that we either had progressive once before we did, but why should that matter? Because, because I gave them your email address because you deal with the bills. So I gave them your email address and they somehow pulled up your information and put that yeah, in it, there. Yeah. I mean this, that's not TLDR this, but anyway, to put them together, they would have had to requote the truck to put it on with the trailer. And uh, even though they were giving us the bundled price already anyway, which is weird. So we tried to do that. And when they put it in, it was going to be $30 more a month. And I'm like, uh, and it was just why? this big, long winded explanation <laughs> that I don't even think we yeah. could actually put back into words that make any sense. And so, so we just left it as, as it yeah. is, but through this process. And when I went through it and, and recorded it, you know, we're talking about our address, our, our address. We've, we had, a mailing service that we were using through a Chicago based address. And we're not doing that anymore. We're using my parents because we don't get mail. We hardly get any mail at all. Uh, Just a few important things from the state and from the government and stuff. That's really it. So we use my parents address now. Well, because there are two more adults living in the household, technically, even though we have full timer insurance, progressive knows that we are on the road full time. 
because there are two more adults in the household, even though I excluded my parents from our policy, meaning they cannot drive the truck. If they drive the truck and get in a crash, it will not be covered. I excluded them specifically from the policy, but even though because of that, they have increased our insurance anyway. So our insurance has gone up $16 a month because there are two adults in the household, even though we don't actually live there, two adults in the household that can't drive it. Right. And now we can get that money back if they send well, us paperwork that we sign. We have to sign some paperwork and they say, they say it will probably go back down. Yeah. It's so probably, frustrating. Probably go back down. It's so frustrating. I mean, all we did was call to just find out what was going on for our insurance because we wanted to make sure we could make the payments and it ended up not only costing us time, it actually cost us more money to call. And yeah. we shouldn't have, we never should have called. Should have just I left mean, it alone. I, I got so angry with these people on the phone and I don't do that. Jason never gets angry with anybody on the phone. He always hands the phone to me to do it. But the second I got <laughs> off the phone, I went and started looking up other courts. Unfortunately, Progressive was way cheaper than anybody else. So we stuck hey. with Progressive. So thank you for Progressive for being cheaper, but you're really annoying me right now. So you are my black tank this week. Thank you, Pa Russell. <laughs> my fresh tank this week, this is, this is finally a good resolution to a story that ha has been bothering fans of Yosemite national park for a while. You know, Yosemite has had a concessionaire for years and years. Actually Yosemite started with concessionaires. Yeah. It wasn't a, <laughs> Yosemite was born out of the concessionaire business who run the hotels and, and, and lodges and all that sort of stuff and, and food service in the park. Uh, that was a company called Delaware North for, for 30 years or so. Delaware North lost the most recent contract bid to Aramark. And uh, when Aramark took over, Delaware North said, oh, we own the names. We have trademarks on the names to some of the most famous places in Yosemite, like the Awani Hotel. And talk about being <laughs> sore losers. And we want $50 million. Give us $50 million and you can have the trademarks to these names back. In fact, they had, they were claiming a trademark on for, for merchandise on the name Yosemite national park. So since air, since Airmark has taken over merchandise in the gift shops is just said Yosemite and not Yosemite national park. I don't know how you can have a trademark on that. <sighs> Yosemite national park was a national park before you took over as yeah. the concessionaire. You've only been there for 30 years. Well, the national park service flat out believes that these trademarks should never have been issued and wanted to fight in court. But in the end, Aramark and the national park service settled with Delaware North for uh, something like uh, $8.3 million or something. Mm -mm -mm. Aramark paid most of it. National Park Service put up like 2 million and Aramark will get the trademarks until their contract expires. Whenever their contract ends, those trademarks will all revert back to the National Park Service, meaning they'll be owned by us again and we can call our national park whatever we want to call it. No, we have this in writing, right? Please tell <laughs> me that big wig lawyers over at the National yeah. Park Foundation made sure this is all, they dotted those I's, slashed yeah. those T's, 
Okay. So luckily it has been figured out. Unfortunately though, it wasn't tried in court, which means this could happen again elsewhere. There are definitely other places where concessioners, you know, hold the names of their operating lodges and, and that sort of stuff. So that's uh, a topic yeah, for another time. Yeah. Cause I got a lot of thoughts so, on that. So no court has decided this has just been settled, but it has been settled and they've already pulled out. They had temporary banners up over names at Yosemite and all the stuff. They've already began to pull all that stuff down and, and Yosemite is, is back to normal. Back in business. So that's good. It's time now for the new brain teaser. Are you ready? I am. This one is short and sweet. Which two fruits are anagrams of each other? Ooh. Two fruits that are anagrams of each other. If you think you know the answer, we have a new way for you to submit. All right. So we're not going to take any submissions from the email address anymore. We're not going to take submissions on social media anymore. Wait, what? When did this happen? Yeah, I haven't told you about this. Oh, wow. One place that you're going to go and put this in. If you want to submit your answer, go to rvmiles.com slash brain teaser and you can enter. And we'll also put a link to the answer submission in the show notes. Oh, I just feel like our lives got so much easier because I always worry that I'm forgetting somewhere from like a social media DM or something. Now it's all going to be in one place. We're getting enough answers now that they really need to be in one place. In one place. So two years later, we finally got organized. rvmiles.com slash brain teaser and there'll be a form to submit or you can find that form in the show notes for this episode at rvmiles.com slash one zero three. If you don't have one of those fancy outdoor kitchens on your RV, what are those? (laughs) We don't, but it is nice to have beverages handy without having to walk into the trailer. I don't like to take an extra 10 steps to get a beverage. No, no. Well, you don't like to let the heat out and you don't like to have to take your shoes off because Abby's not going to let you walk from the door to the refrigerator with your shoes on. Don't be coming for a drink with your shoes on. It's not happening. But a lot of people do like to keep beverages and, and other food items outside of the trailer for their outdoor kitchen area, whether it's built into the RV or not. And one of the best things for that is a Pelican Elite hard-sided cooler. The reason they're so great for this is they can sit out in the sun. It does not matter. Your ice will last. And they are certified bear-proof. Bear-proof is awesome, but you might not be in an area near bears. That's okay because bear-proof means raccoon-proof. Yeah, and sometimes <laughs> raccoons are worse than bears. They are. Sometimes they're as big as small bears. Yes, and you know that personally. <laughs> Pelican coolers are certified bear proof and unlike other premium coolers that require you to have a padlock on them for them to be bear proof, Pelicans do not because they have these durable press and pull latches and we really love them for that. They're super easy to open and close, but a bear can't do it because they don't got those opposable thumbs. Yeah, silly bears. <laughs> silly bears. <laughs> RV Miles listeners can get a free tumbler with any Pelican coolers purchase. You head on over to Pelican Coolers dot com slash rv miles to get your free tumbler with any cooler purchase today that's pelicancoolers.com slash rv miles and we'll put a link in the show notes so that now that we are we're moving into a traditional rv 
we have decided that we're not going to put a compost toilet in right now, right now. That's uh, probably going to change. We ended up letting the, the person that bought the bus keep the composting toilet. We want to have one, but you know, we figured, okay, we're just going to be black tank, gray tank people for some time. Our budget was like, you are going to be black tank, gray tank people for a while. So this, uh, you know, I haven't had to deal with a, uh, an RV tank in, in quite some time. So I'm thinking about that and getting back into the stuff. So this story really um, piqued my interest. This is something coming out of California. There is an issue with the deodorizers that go into black tanks. You've had like the drop in the pods or if you have a liquid that you pour into your tank as a deodorizer to break down or whatever, there is an issue that is happening that has actually been happening for quite some time now that these deodorizers, some of them are causing problems with septic tanks at campgrounds and RV parks. So what happens is a lot of them have formaldehyde in them, formaldehyde and some other chemicals and the formaldehyde kills bacteria, right? And when you dump your tank, it continues to kill bacteria in that park septic system. That bacteria is important to cause all the waste to break down to make the septic system function properly. When it's not breaking down, there are problems. And those systems begin to leach into the groundwater. They begin to leach up to the surface, which definitely nobody That's, wants. Yeah, just stop there. So, <laughs> so a lot of these tank sanitizers, tank drop-ins, tank deodorizers are labeled as formaldehyde-free. California, Camp California is an organization of campgrounds in California, campground owners all across California. Camp California has been fighting to get some state legislature for years to ban deodorizers with formaldehyde and some other chemicals in them. And they haven't been successful. It looks like they're going to be successful this time. They've got data from the EPA, from the, the state environmental boards going back 20 years saying that this specifically formaldehyde in these drop-ins at RV parks has caused X number of failures. So that really got me thinking like, you know, we're going to start using some of these deodorizers and stuff. I want to make sure that we're not using stuff like that. So I got into looking about, you know, how, you know, if the deodorizer you're using is formaldehyde free, because I think it's a real important thing for the environment. And, you know, when you have a group of businesses behind an environmental bill, you know, something's wrong. You, you know, something's wrong, yeah. right? Something stinks. <laughs> Literally. Literally. So if you look at those tank drop-ins, you can look to see if they say formaldehyde free on. That's the only way you're going to know. If it says formaldehyde free across it, that's the only way you're going to know. It can say all natural and still be made of formaldehyde because formaldehyde technically is natural. Our bodies make formaldehyde. But unfortunately, in large quantities, it's going to kill bacteria. So you want to make sure that the deodorizers you use for your tank, you want to make sure they say formaldehyde free and formaldehyde free tank deodorizers. A lot of those are actually going to help RV park septic systems continue to break down your waste. And that's a win-win for everyone. Isn't it? That Isn't is it? a win-win. So I think I thought that was a, a good thing to mention here. And we've got an article on the website that'll detail that a little bit more if you want to get into that. Also wanted to mention this week that 
Abby was recently on another podcast that you should check out the everybody's national parks podcast interviewed Abby this week and uh, they have a great episode and you can find them anywhere you listen to this podcast and you can hear Abby yammer on about what we do. If you haven't heard her do that. enough, <laughs> Yeah. You can also uh, hear me go on and on about why anyone can camp in a national park. <laughs> I'm on it. Like I'm on a mission. I'm just going to go anywhere where anyone will listen. I had a very nice time and I do very much appreciate Danielle welcoming me onto their show. She was quite the host. She was very sweet. I got a little, uh, I got a little quote in the Washington post this week. You did go ahead and toot that horn. I will. We got a horn sound over there. <laughs> <laughs> no, not that horn. <laughs> that's, but I feel like that's really fitting. Does that work? Does that one work? <laughs> there you go. That sounds like a more Washington post theme sound. Yes. It's an article about fees that have cropped up recently in travel. Uh, and I talked a little bit about fees for extra people at campgrounds that we've been noticing that there've been a lot more of out there. Kid fees. Lately. Kid fees, Kid is, fees. What, is what a lot of full-time families like to call mm -hmm. them. Fees for more than two people in the RV and they start charging you $5 per additional person per, day. per night. It can that's add up pricey. really quickly, especially when they don't tell you about it in advance. And that's, I that's think sneaky. the real problem. We've booked campgrounds here and there for a night and show up at 10 o'clock at night and we're just staying overnight and they're charging us. Well, that's when I say, you know, no, you're not $5 per kid. Yeah. No, that's when I go up and say, no, you're not. Cause you didn't yeah. list it here. So you can't right. do that. Finally, we want to mention that we are working on some new segments for the show. And one of them is going to be called cell service. And this is a segment where you guys call in and, and give us some answers to a prompt. Right. So uh, we're going to be over the next few weeks, having you guys sort of call in and leaving us a voicemail about a, a certain topic. Abby, what's the topic going to be for cell service? So the topic, what we would love to hear is what is your favorite piece of camping gear? What's the one thing that you will turn that rig around for and come back if you have left it at home and you just can't live without it? Because the whole point, and I feel like we need to say this about developing this segment, was that we feel like this show is just as much yours as it is ours. And there are so many things out there that we don't know. I bet I'm going to hear about the coolest pieces of gear that I haven't even thought to look at. So we're just really excited to start hearing more from listeners because this is your podcast just as much as it is ours. So if you want to contribute, and we hope you do, we're going to do this segment once a month or maybe every four to five episodes. You know us. We never stick to a schedule, <laughs> but we're going to do our best. And if you would like to call in, all you need to do is dial 773-769-7769. Coolest phone number ever. 773-769-7769. And we'll just keep mentioning this in episodes until we get to the point where we say, okay, we're closing this. This is the last week. We're going to do this particular segment you have until X date to call. And then we're shutting it down and we're going to put the answers up the following week. And if you have any questions for us, you can leave them there as well. It's just a voicemail. Nobody's going to answer it. And you can just leave us a voicemail. But wouldn't you and, love it if one of us answered? <laughs> Hello, RV Miles. That would freak me well, out. It's, it's not a, uh, it doesn't ring to a phone. So no, it's not it going to happen. No. So that's it for this week's episode. For everything we talked about this week, visit rvmiles.com slash 103, including that link to answer the brain teaser. And we'll have the phone number 
there on the show notes as well. Yes. And thank you to our sponsors, LL Bean, Wholesale Warranties, Shady Rays, PelicanCoolers.com, and Togo. Uh, But most of all, thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week. But until we do, keep logging those RV miles. Bye-bye.